Hello and welcome to another edition of Maplewood Barn Radio Theater here on KBIA. Tonight we bring you a humorous Christmas tale by Rupert Hughes called Mrs. Budlong's Christmas Presents. Rupert Hughes was the uncle of famous billionaire Howard Hughes and was well known in the first half of the 20th century as a novelist, historian, and movie director. In 1928, he received an Oscar nomination for Best Original Screenplay for his script, The Patent Leather Kid. Now, Maplewood Burn Radio Theater is proud to present this original adaptation by Brad Buchanan of the Rupert Hughes short story, Mrs. Budlong's Christmas Presents. What are you working on, Bertha, my dear? Christmas presents. Christmas presents? But it's only June. Yes, but we all have to keep up with Mrs. Budlong, Roscoe. Oh, poo on Mrs. Budlong. Every Christmas day, she throws her doors wide open so everyone can see the mound of gifts piled in her back parlor around her baby grand piano with those lights that look like illuminated date palms. Why does she do that? She says it is to mitigate the ineffable stupidity of Christmas afternoon, that dolorous time when people contemplate that ancient platitude that it is better to give than to receive. Yes, especially for Mrs. Budlong. She doesn't have to wear what she gives away. Her annual gift display looks like hospitality, but feels more like hostility. But she gets the gifts. There is no question of that. By hook or by crook, she sees to it that the pile of presents under the piano is huge every year. It has become a rivalry around town, Bertha, to see who can give Mrs. Budlong the nicest gifts. It has grown to ridiculous proportions. Not that everyone loves Mrs. Budlong so much, but they like comparisons even less. But of course Mrs. Budlong does not mind. Of course not. With her shrewd eyes, she sees that people give her presents in order to show off to other people that some people needn't think that they could show off before other people without having other people show that they could show off too as well as other people could. The psychology must be correct. It is completely incoherent. Listen, I'm a country road supervisor. I make good money. How much did she sting us for last Christmas? She's the niftiest little gift-getter that ever held up a train. I don't know, Roscoe. It's one of those things that you can't get out of without leaving town. Over the years, we've skimped on our own children's presents to buy something that would look good in Mrs. Budlong's back parlor. Well, there's no use crying over spilt gifts. But... Did you see how she stuck old widower Clute last Christmas for that Japanese porcelain vase? I noticed she called it a vase. Porcelain? It was paper mache. Well, getting paper from old Clute is equal to extracting solid gold from anybody else. He's the stingiest man in seven states. I bet she had to give him ether before he let go. Oh, you know how she works. She invites all the old bachelors and widowers to a dinner party around Christmas time and begins to talk about how pretty the shops are and how tempting everything she wants is, and that's how she gets things. I could do it myself if I'd mind to. If you'd a mind to? Yep, if you'd a mind to. That's what somebody said about Shakespeare's plays. I could have wrote them myself if I'd a mind to. And that's about it. Anybody could do what Mrs. Budlong does if they had a mind to, but the thing is, she's got the mind to. She goes after the gifts and gets them. And what gets me is how she gets them. Of course, Mrs. Budlong couldn't get all those presents without giving some herself, not in Carthage. Well, of course she couldn't. Mrs. Budlong gives heaps of presents. Christmas was an industry to her, an ambition. Christmas is her career. 
but she only gives silly arts and crafts gifts, like embroidered doilies. Oh, but not just with needle and thread, dear. Remember when she went wild for hammered brass and gave Dr. Tizenauer the handmade coal scuttle? It was lovely until some ignorant servant actually put coal in it and ruined the finish. Yes, and then the next year swung the other way to painted velvet. They say it is a difficult art, and it may well be. Mrs. Budlong's first landscape might as well have been painted on the side of her scotch collie. <laughs> oh, yes, her velvet roses looked like shaggy tarantulas that had fallen into a paint pot and emerged in a terrible mood. <laughs> <laughs> and then when she went into her china painting phase, it was horrid. The flowers resembled something out of a medical museum. <laughs> But the worst was the Christmas when she made presents out of burnt wood and leather. Her neighbors called the fire department three times and the Board of Health once. Oh, oh, I think the macaroni art was the epitome of bad taste. Somebody ought to write a history of Mrs. Budlong's Christmas presents. It would catalog all the foolish arts and crafts fads over the last 20 years. But Mrs. Budlong is very popular. Popular? Not at all. People are merely afraid of her. She's a whipper in. A social bush-beater, driving the populace from cover like partridges. She will not let the town rest. Oh, don't be so dramatic, darling. Who knows? Maybe someday Mrs. Budlong will get her Christmas comeuppance. Who knows? I still can't believe your Aunt Ida left us all that money. Yes, hopefully you'll permit me to take care of it while you're getting rid of it. Oh, we made the Carthage paper today. Front page, big headline, the Budlongs become millionaires. Oh, isn't it marvelous? Yes, it's the only time I've ever made the paper, except for the time I ran for mayor on the opposition ticket and was called candidate nipped in the Budlong. But the money, darling, the money. We are rich. I can buy all the Christmas presents I want for people. Not until we get the money. Not until it's collected. But now the cornucopia of plenty has burst wide open on our front porch. It seems that way, yes. But until the money arrives, we should... Oh, I just think of the places we will visit. Paris. Oh, I suppose I should pronounce it Paris. London, Vienna, St. Mark's, the Lion of Lucerne. Oh, listen to me. I'm talking like a tour handbook. You know, I was unjust to Aunt Ida. What I thought of as miserliness on her part was actually prudence and thrift and other pleasant-sounding virtues. Now that we are rich... We, we... aren't rich yet. No, of course not, dear. But once we are, Carthage will seem like such a small burg, won't it? We will have to move to New York. New York? Oh, yes. I will start reading the society papers so I will know what to wear at Mrs. Stuvesant's parties and Mrs. Astor's sociables. Mrs. Astor's sociables? What are you talking about? And when we join a church, should it be St. Bartholomew's or Grace or St. John the Divine's? It seems to me you're engaging in that horrible disease, millionaire mania, which is often followed by millionaire's melancholy. Let's just slow down a bit, dear. But can't you see, darling? This changes everything. We're rich. We are not rich yet. Not until the money actually arrives. I'm sure there are papers to sign, titles to clear, executors to consult, waivers, deeds, indentures, and all kinds of things that will take time. 
Oh, don't be such a fuddy-duddy. We are rich now, and everyone knows it. Yes, and they know it must be true. They read it in the papers. It's been five months, Ulysses, and still no money. Well, I tried to explain, dear, that these things do take time. Oh, that telephone has been ringing off the hook. Sometimes there are a dozen calls a day. Hello? Oh, yes, Mrs. Detwiller. Yes, let me see. Thursday? Yes, I should be free for lunch on Thursday. Yes, thank you very much. Goodbye. It seems like there's a lunch, a social, or a reception every day. Ever since we made the headlines in the paper, we've been very popular. My two nice dresses have become so familiar that people can greet me simply by noticing my clothing. Well, we don't have enough money to buy more, at least not yet. It has come to the point where I have racked up so many social debts. I plan to hold a large dinner and wipe them all out at once. A large dinner? Let's see. Olives, turkey, grapes, and a man from the hotel to wait on everyone. That should amount to about $25, and we don't have that much to spend. I'm getting frantic to leave Carthage. It's becoming oppressive. We can't leave Carthage now. My business requires supervision, and I will not, cannot, borrow money against Aunt Ida's estate until I am sure it is ours. People are already planning to come visit us in our new palatial home in New York. What palatial home in New York? The one I told them we are planning to build. And now I can't stand the thought of our social status being ruined in the city with a bunch of Carthage people rocking on our Fifth Avenue front porch. From the sound of things, we will have to hang hammocks in the yard. Look, I'm starting to believe Aunt Ida never left us any money. And if she did, I know we'll not see it before January. One of the lawyers has been called abroad on another case. We've got to stay in Carthage, at least over Christmas. Christmas? The last few months have been so packed with other diversions... I haven't even thought about it until now. I'm amazed that you've completely ignored your former obsession. And I am completely unprepared. Not so much as a painted teacup to give away. Quit wringing your hands, dear. We'll get by, even if there are no presents this Christmas. No presents? Oh, darn that phone. I can't stand it. Hello? Hello, Mrs. Budlong? This is Myra Epperly. And you've been thinking of me. Why, yes, I have. That's why I called. Would you mind telling me the shade of wallpaper you're going to have in your New York parlor? Because I'm making you the daintiest little... Well, no matter. But will you tell me? Um, um, well, hmm. I'm not sure what color our wallpaper will be in New York. We'll probably never have wallpaper in New York. Shh. To tell you, and I won't tell you what it is. No, of course not. Oh, but I'm just dying to see your back parlor this Christmas afternoon. It has always been a sight for sore eyes, but this Christmas it will be a wonder, for I do declare everybody in town is getting you something very nice. Yes, well, thank you for the call, Mrs. Epperly. I do appreciate it. Well, it is purely my pleasure, dear. Talk to you soon. Yes, goodbye. Oh, Yuli, that was Myra Epperly, and she is getting us something nice for Christmas as well. Oh, what are we going to do? Everybody will expect something nice, and I have not even begun. I have not tatted or smeared or hammered a thing. 
Oh, the hopelessness, the despair. Please stop torturing yourself. Since I don't have time to make things, we will have to buy them. I throw myself on your mercy. We don't have the money yet. Christmas has quit being a sign of people's affections. It has become a public menace. Christmas is no longer an opportunity to show goodwill to your neighbors. It's a time when you've got to show off in front of your neighbors. You women make us men sick the way you carry on about Christmas. And the children, they're worse than the grown-ups. Why, when I was a boy, if I got a drum and a tin horn, I was so happy I couldn't keep quiet. But last Christmas, little Yuli Jr. cried all day because he got an $11 automobile when he wanted an airplane big enough to carry the cat over the barn. Oh, please, you. And as for you, why, you're going daffy. Other years, I didn't mind so much. You spent a lot of time and some money on your annual splurge. But I will say, you took in better than you gave. But now you're on the other side of the fence. These Carthage women have got you on the run. Oh, of course you're right, Yuli. But what's the use of being right when it's so hateful? All I can think of is that everybody in town is going to give me a present. Everybody. Can't you take last year's presents and pass them along to other folks? Everybody would recognize them, and I'd be the talk of the town. You're already the talk of the town anyway, so what difference does it make? I'd rather die. You'd save a lot of money and trouble if you did. Just look at the list of presents I have to give. Say, what is this? The town directory? Oh, you missed one important name, Mrs. Alsop. Oh, her. I've quarreled with her. We don't speak anymore, thank heaven. It would be money in our pocket if you didn't speak to anybody. Gosh, that's it. Stop speaking to everybody. Don't be silly. I mean it. You women are always spatting about something. Now's your chance to capitalize on your spats. You're such imbeciles. Oh, no. oh, there, there. We'll fix this up. What did you and Mrs. Alsop quarrel about? Oh, she told Sally Sweezy, and Sally Sweezy told me that I used my Carthage presents to send to relatives in other towns. I'd say that was a compliment, but don't even dream of forgiving her until after Christmas. No, quarreling with people is not a good idea, but it has given me another one. What if we announced that there will be no Christmas celebration this year, because we are in mourning for Aunt Ida? Yes, we are still grieving. Mourning? Grieving? Why, you couldn't have celebrated Aunt Ida's passing more joyously unless you had serenaded her in Woodlawn with a brass band. Ulysses Budlong! You ought to be ashamed of yourself for saying such a thing. All right, perhaps we are being forced to squabble with people. But what excuse can I give? You don't need any real excuse. You simply telephone Sally Sweezy and say that a certain person told you, and you won't name any names, that she's been making fun of you and you'd be much obliged if she never spoke to you again because you will certainly never speak to her again. But how do I know Sally Sweezy has been making fun of me? Oh, there's no doubt that everybody in town is doing that. Ulysses Budlong, how can you talk so? Listen, it's other folks you need to quarrel with, not me. You spend an hour on that phone and you can get the whole town riled up at us. But I can't use the same excuse for everybody. You'll think up plenty once you put your mind to it. <laughs> what on earth is the matter? His nose is bleeding. Oh, come here to me, you poor child. Please don't bleed on the rug. Little Clarence Detweller licked me. Yes, he did. And I only pushed him off his sled into a puddle of ice w w water. And he attacked me and kicked me in my f face off. <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful, darling. What exciting news. <laughs> what? 
They were the first teeth anyway. It will save you a trip to the dentist. Now, run along, go wash your face, and change that bloody shirt. But you aren't going to... Yes, yes, we'll take care of it. You run along now. Just the excuse we're looking for. Sent direct from heaven. You call up Roscoe Detwiller this minute and tell him his son has criminal tendencies and ought to be in jail and will undoubtedly die on the gallows. Then he won't speak to you tomorrow. He certainly won't. He'll do the same thing to me that his boy did to little Yuli. No, dear. You tell all that to Mrs. Detwiller yourself. She's not as big as her husband. What cowards men are, always shielding themselves behind women's skirts. Well, I'm not afraid. I'll give her the biggest talking to she ever had in her born days. Yes, please, get me 873. Thank you. Is that you, Mrs. Detwiller? Oh, yes, thank you. I'm very well. I wanted to tell you my... Oh, yes, he's well, too. But what I started to say was... Yes, so Yuli says. Yes, right in the face. Oh, of course. Naturally. Boys will be. Oh, I'm sorry you punished him. He's such a sweet child. Oh, don't think of it. I'm sure it was all Yuli's fault. It will teach him better next time. He's so rough. Oh, really? How sweet of you. Good night. I couldn't get a word in edgewise. She apologized. She apologized? Why, you ate out of her hand, and you were going to show me what a coward I am. Now, wait a minute. What do you suppose Clara Detwiller's going to do? She's going to make her boy send Yuli a nice Christmas present, and now we'll have to buy one for Yuli to give him. Well, what a great manager you are. You call up a woman to get rid of giving one Christmas present, and now you've got to give two. What are we going to do, Yuli? It's getting close to Christmas, and we haven't managed to alienate anyone in town. Yes, I was really relying on little Yuli to stir up some trouble. You know, throw a rock or a snowball, with the most innocent of intentions, through a window or a milk wagon or somebody's silk hat, or pull a small girl's hair or take the skates away from a helpless urchin. The dove of peace seems to be on Ulysses' shoulder right now, ever since he began to go to Sunday school. Meanwhile... I have been snubbing people right and left, but they seem to think I am simply absent-minded. I skipped the dinner party the Teeples gave in my honor and sent no excuse. This is an unpardonable sin in Carthage, as you know. And what did she do? She assumed I was ill and sent over a vase of cut flowers with a note hoping that I would feel better soon. Oh, what are we going to do? I think we're done. Done? Finished. Kaput. Over. Washed up. It's Christmas Eve, and I am completely out of ideas. Looks like we'll be eating crow for our Christmas dinner this year. Wait! I have it! Why didn't we think of it before? Quarantine! Quarantine? Yes. If we had something contagious in the house and a quarantine was on, people couldn't come here with their gifts, and they would be so afraid to get ours that they'd be thankful we didn't send anything. You're a genius. 
I'm so glad you approve, Yuli. Now, which will you pretend to have? Yellow fever or smallpox Which or... will I pretend to have? Do you mean to say that you expect me to go to bed with a fatal disease? It doesn't have to be fatal, just as long as it's contagious. Well, I'm not going to lie around the house all day. But you can call it a vacation, and you can pretend to get well after Christmas. If you're so keen on a quarantine, you can quarantine yourself. You can have yellow fever or scarlet or green or robin's egg blue as far as I care. But I can't have any diseases. I have to be available to snub anyone who might call or come by today. Hang on a minute. Yuli Jr. hasn't helped much since he contracted the Methodist flu. Seems to me like he's the one who should get sick. Yes, of course. I think he's still asleep right now, and all we have to do is keep him in bed for the day. Let's go talk to our new scapegoat. Ah, just look at him. Sleeping like a cherub. Yeah, such innocence. Remember last year, when he set up a figure four trap in front of the fireplace to snare Santa Claus by the foot? Oh, that was so cute. And he planned to pelt the old man with his BB gun until he was out of commission and rifle the pack at his leisure to pick the presents he wanted. He's such an enterprising little cuss. Let's wake him and let him know that he's sick for the day. Oh, Yuli, Yuli, dear, time to get up. Oh, what? Yuli, darling, your father and I have to tell you something. It seems you have scarlet fever and need to stay in bed today. Scarlet nothing. I gotta go to the meeting of the Youth Helping Hand Society this afternoon. And I'll be darned if I stay in any doggone bed. Now, Yuli, darling, if I can't convince you with words, your father is going to persuade you with a hickory oh, switch. All right, all right. I'm convinced. I'll play along and skip the meeting this afternoon. Good boy. It will help immensely. All right. I'll hurry downtown and bribe a doctor. He'll give me a red quarantine placard to put on the front door. I'll get your coat. Thank you, dear. I'll be back soon. Please hurry. Ulysses Jr., what do you think you're doing hanging out of that window? Um, nothing. Excuse me for saying so, but it looks like you're trying to escape. You aren't even dressed. I have on my nightshirt. With this wind, it's not on very much. Oh, drat! All the neighbors are peeking out their windows at you. Now the whole plan is ruined. Get back in the house. Yes, sir. That didn't take long. That's because I didn't go anywhere. I caught Yuli Jr. trying to climb out his window, and all the neighbors saw it. The quarantine plan is out. Oh, that little scamp. Yes, I'll deal with him later. Oh, here's another present that was on our doorstep. I'll put it with the rest of the presents in the back parlor. They've been coming like a deluge all day. Are there any ideas you can think of? No, I can't think of a thing. Oh, I just can't stand it any longer. All right. Enough is enough. Get your hat and coat, and we'll go down and buy everything that's left in Struthers' store. Oh, thank you, darling. Thank you. We may not be able to pay the bills until the 4th of July, but Aunt Ida's money has to come sometime. Yes, and we will try to make it the most amazing Christmas Carthage has ever seen. <laughs> How may I help you, Mr. Budlong? We're here to buy Christmas presents. 
It's rather depressing, Yuli. Everything is so picked over. Of course it's picked over. It's Christmas Eve. <laughs> we understood that you were buying all your Christmas presents out of town this year. Well, you understood wrong, Mr. Struther. I want to buy nearly everything in the shop. How many names do we have on our list, dear? 136. Did you hear that? Get busy. That ghastly vase, for example. Box it up and send it to our house. It's too late to select each item. We have to move quickly, or we will never get them wrapped and tagged in time. You're right. Give me that whole shelf of ghastly vases. And those six scarf pins. Egad, anyone wearing one of those could be arrested for disturbing the peace. Quiet. Keep buying. Give me a dozen of those paperweights. Yes, ma'am. Combs and hairbrushes. How many? All of them. Nail files. Pin cushions. Slow down. Hurry up. Picture frames. These bits of lace with the intimate white things on them. Ceramic figurines. Garden pots. Button hooks. Oxidized lead pencils. I was proud of you today, dear. You pillaged that store like the Crusaders looting Constantinople. Now, what do we do with all these packages? We are just getting started. The parcels must be open, price tags removed, gifts done up in pink tissue paper and gold twine, cards must be filled out and inserted, and the parcels rewrapped and addressed. Man, I had no idea what you went through each Christmas. We'd better get started. Who's this big pink and purple cuspidor for? That's... A jardinier. It is a return gift for the horrible cowbell those hateful Disneys gave us last year. Here's the card. For Mr. and Mrs. Disney with most affectionate Yuletide greetings. Sounds good. Yes, yes. Hurry along or we will never finish. All right. Next up. What is this? Um, I'm not sure. We'll send it to the Epperleys. They won't know what it is either. Here's the card. The merriest of Christmases. Very nice. How about these lacy ribbons? Who are they for? The judge. All right, the judge gets the lacy ribbons. Do you think he wears lacy ribbons under his robe? No, I said, oh, never mind. Just send it quickly now, quickly. Next. With these kind of presents, it will be the most amazing Christmas ever in Carthage. I can hardly keep my eyes open. And every time I close them, I see wrapping paper. <laughs> Dear, it's almost six o'clock in the morning. We've been working all night and still have some presents to go. <laughs> Perhaps we should take a break, darling. On the last card you wrote, Yuli Numus and a happy ex-year to Swally Sleazy. I don't think that it's... Dear? Darling? <sighs> She's out cold. Maybe I should take a quick nap in the chair, and we can finish up later. Hey, Mom, Dad, it's Christmas morning, and my stocking is empty. Did Santa forget to come last night? Ugh, I didn't have my snare set up. Dad? <sighs> Mom? Mission you a wary muskrus and a nappy hoosier. <laughs> and with that, we will leave Budlong to their naps, with little Yuli wondering why Santa didn't come this year, especially after he had started going to Sunday school. 
We hope you've enjoyed this Christmas treat called Mrs. Budlong's Christmas Presents by Rupert Hughes, as presented by the Maplewood Barn Radio Players. Our performers in this production were Maggie Henson as Mrs. Budlong, Jeff Martin as Ulysses Budlong, with Matt Davis as Uli Jr. Roscoe Detwiller and Mr. Strother were played by Brad Buchanan, with Joy Jackson as Mrs. Detwiller and Myra Epperly. This is Darren Helwetch, thanking you for joining us for this Christmas special from Maplewood Barn Radio Theater. We hope you'll join us again next week for another classic story right here on KBIA.